Alright, what's good? This is episode, uh, I don't know any of the Thirst for Knowledge podcast. It's Lawrence. I'm flying solo. Steve had his birthday, and he mentioned something to me about having to do sign language for deaf kids. Uh, so, you know, he's out here giving back to the streets, you know, reaching the kids, uh, loving the children, and being all-inclusive, which is, um, what the magic community cares about in our blackers. Anyway, um... <clears throat> I am here to do a solo episode. I'm sure it's going to turn out pretty terrible. If it comes out remotely listenable, then shout out to our editor, Liz. Shit. Uh, she was just in the most recent championship. I think that's what they're calling them these days. I don't know anymore. I don't really keep up with rebrandings. Um, I guess I probably should. I don't know if dead naming Pro Tour or Mythic Champion as divisive human. But yeah, she was at the most recent... The, re- the recent mythic championship so uh, uh gang 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 or something <clears throat> shout out to writer um yeah i just basically decided to uh, do a one-man episode where i ramble about stuff for some amount of time and i hope that uh, i don't hate it if you do hate it i hope that you still you secretly wait every so where do we start the legacy format challenge pele quarterly legacy format quarterly was this weekend it was won by Daryl Ayers on Death and Taxes. Not a shock. Daryl Ayers is a smart boy. Um, looking at his list, the primary things that he had going on were 25 lands, hashtag smart, and three Phyrexian Revokers, also hashtag smart. Recently in Legacy, we've seen a large uptick in like Astrolabe control decks. And I think that one of the glaring issues in those shells, the fact that they are so reliant on it for their man to work, that having an effect like Phyrexian Revoker can completely opponent. Just being able to resolve that card. Uh, the 25 lands also makes sense. Death and Taxes is a fairly mana-hungry deck. You're a port shell, you're a wasteland deck. You need to be able to cast your spells, and I found that against a lot of Death and Taxes opponents, I have had games where they either wasteland themselves out of the game, or I've been able to wasteland them out of the game, because they've just gotten awkwardly manuscript. So, uh, I really like Daryl's list. It makes sense. Um, he has four Mother of Runes. He has the stock, like, four Mothers for Aether Vial. He has also the stock for Stoneforge, Gita, Sword of Fire and Ice, Battersful Packet, for Thalia, and then he has three Revoker, which I believe people were sitting at two-ish copies, something like that. Um... Maybe they were at more during the Renaissance era, but it honestly still just got bodied. He's at three Flicker Wisp, two Marin Crusader, which I think uh, the inclusion of the two Marin Crusader is mostly a reaction for Bug Dollar decks. And I think that's fine. I think that uh, the GP Bologna, GP Minguchi top eight, it is for GP GP. Um, had two-ish Bug Delver decks, which, you know, we kind of expected. We expected some number of Delver. It had, like, two Delver, two Bug Delver. But we didn't expect it to be lopsided towards Bug Delver, but I think that was more just a matter of... A lot of players hadn't figured out what they wanted to do in the format, and when people haven't figured out what they want to do in a format, one of the better things to do is kill them. You can either do that by fast combo or something of that sort, or you can just go Thoughtseize, Tarmogoyle. Which Bug Delver does pretty well. Um, so yeah, that, that explains the Mirror Crusaders to me. The singular copy of Sanctum Prelate is interesting. I feel like you'd want at least a second copy of it. Um, 
I, like I said, I feel like this deck was really geared towards being the Black Shells. The main Palace Jailer is fairly stock at this point. Uh, the Revoker is kind of a hedge towards the Astrolabe Shells. And then everything else is stock. Sorry. His two recruiter, one Sinkton I'm an idiot. Um, I mixed the cards up. One Sinkton Prelate makes sense to me. You don't necessarily want to draw too many copies of that card. I think copy is good against some decks, but for the most part, it's not a fast enough effect that you can actually... Uh, you're not going to resolve two in most games that matter, except Miracles-ish style shells. Whereas Recruiter, you know, you have your Flickworth Synergies, you have Palace Jailer, Stoneforge Recruiter. Um, Sideboard-wise, it all makes sense. More grindy elements, some extra removal and Path Exile, Combo Hate and more Deafening Silence. Some amount of, I'm not sure what Daryl played against leading up to this, but to him... He is Pilot's deck. It's not surprising that he won with a very well thought out. Bob Huang ended up posting the breakdown of what ended up doing well. <clears throat> or at least the top, I'm going to assume 32, not me. So at the top tables we saw Death and Taxes. Or well, the top eight was Death and Taxes, Blue Red Delver, Bant Maverick, Blue Red Delver, Death and Black Red Reef, Blue Decks, I think? Yeah. I could have sworn there was another Miracles in the top eight. I could have sworn Stefano did well, but maybe that was earlier in the tournament, and I'm mixing up periods of time. Um, this top eight doesn't shock me. It's mostly just proactive shells. The format's in a state of flux. Uh, the Bant Miracles list that did well was... It was a um, Stefano-inspired or built list. Um, it had a stack of... Whatever that card is, Quaddle. Struggling. Uh, apparently, I can't find it. Uh, it had three snake. It was basically just Bant Miracles with no predict, no accumulated knowledge, and um, just a bunch of arbitrary. The deck seemed fine. Um, outside of that, I'm not shocked. The rest of the format ended up being combo and what have you. It's interesting to see Blue Red Delver do better than the Rochelle. Um, it's not shocking, right? Like, Blue Red Delver has a better proactive game plan, more stable mana, and Wasteland, back to basics from the Ashes, etc. So being able to just outright aggro your opponent out, bolt them to the soul, and kill them is pretty appealing. Uh, the deck's, like, awkwardly weak against combo. At times, they're... Like, you can pack a stack of Force Negation, some amount of Null Rod, but you still have to answer the real format, and doing so can be somewhat of an awkward task. I think that, you know, it, it would be a lot easier to discuss this if I had the actual deck list, but Moto hasn't posted them, which is unfortunate. But, like I said, not shocked to see these decks do well. Like, the Goldfish plan is better and less reliant on Wasteland, which I think is huge at the current moment. Two Death and Taxes in the top eight. Uh, Black Red Reanimator. Slow Depths is weak against Wasteland, but it, you know, it has countermeasure. And one thing I've noticed recently is that Wasteland as a card has lost equity within the format. Uh, with Ren and Six gone, a lot of players are leaning more in cards like Astrolabe and just general basic as a way to uh, just abuse the color pie and go from there, right? You have Thomas Marr, you have various three to five at their leisure, because they can, without getting punished. And, um, arguably a problem. We'll table that discussion for another time. But where that relates to Delver is that the grindy resource denial plan of something like Grixis or Bud Delver only can go so far. You kind of need to use all of the parts of the buffalo. 
and when you cut out the ability to restrict your opponent's mana and they just get to play magic freely, you lose a lot of deck uh, as the game goes. Um, it'd be nice to see these decks, you know, adjust if possible, but Wasteland plus days plus like soft countermass is so huge in terms of how these shells function that I'm not sure you can just arbitrarily have something happen, right? You have to make Wasteland good again as a replacement. And if you cut Wasteland from these decks, the ultimate result is like just a really awkward low to the ground shell with a lot of effects that aren't properly you just end up in a world where it's probably better to just play a mid-range deck, which could potentially be the way you're supposed to go with Delver. Uh, just cut the card. You know, instead of playing Bug Delver, play Bug Control. Instead of playing Grixis Delver, play Grixis Control or stuff. Some sort of Grixis Arcanus deck. You know, Days as a card loses a lot of equity. Uh, so does Spell Pierce in that regard, especially with effects like uh, Veils. You have to be a bit more careful with how you choose to pick your disruption sweep and if you're in blue and black you definitely want to be able to get under your opponent which like black can turn when thoughts sees gets under veil and what have you but a card like him to truck is a bit worse and I, it's hard to say him is unplayable given thomas mars results and you know rodrigo tagoras did well at the 4c4 season nebraska war there's been a lot of like i think it was nebraska war he did well at Nebraska War uh, with the five-color control deck, but I find myself struggling to understand how a Hymnotroc-based control deck is good in a format. A decent number of the field is playing Veil of Summer, but maybe that is maybe that's just me leveling myself per se. Like looking at how uh, the challenge played out, there aren't an insane number of Veil of and. I know I personally have a tendency to go, this is, like, look at something in the abstract and probably the better thing to be doing. And I will naturally, other options playable, but there's always diversity within the format, either based on people misreading the metagame, but more so often as players going, I like playing X deck, so I'm going to play X deck and go from there. Legacy wise, players don't change their decks, they change their sideboard. And it's it's reasonable that I may be completely off base in terms of thinking of a powerhouse in the format because it kind of seems like everyone has sidestepped the card because I think you know to a degree it could be because it's partially bugged on Moto is in the fact that it counters both spells and abilities which it's not but if you're a player who wants to play a fair deck but not deal with the Veil of Summer Mares, you're likely to hedge towards something to the board. You know, something that leans a little less on blue or black disruption and more in on just killing the opponent. So that's where we get Death and Taxes, Blue Red Delver, um, Maverick, uh, two Death and Taxes, Blue Red Delver. And then there's like Black Red Animator and Slow Depths, just like these, like I said, these proactive shells that either sidestep Veil or are actively playing it, um, which is, it, that's kind of facetious binary. There's only one, two, maybe three. I haven't seen this Maverick list. Maybe three Veil of Sun's top eight. And then the rest of the field is like a mix of decks that can use the card. Same with Astral. So I think kind of where I'm getting at 
we don't exactly know what the format looks like and i think taking letting things settle a bit right we just had the rain and six ban a lot of players are arguing hey we need a veil of summer or astral plague engineer binka not necessarily warranted i think the only different format are shells that basically weren't playable already for the most part uh that's that's a bit of a stretch um it's taking decks that were close to the point where you probably shouldn't play the competitive standpoint and putting them very much in the middle. In terms of like nostalgia and just playing them like them, you can still pilot them, but your win rate's just going to naturally be lower. And I think that's something that you probably have to accept if you want to play some sort of tribal deck. You know, um, there was a concern about death and taxes, but I think that deck is diversifying its threat suite enough to actually survive Plague Engineer, which there you go. You know, it's nice to be able to do that. But if you're playing with a goblin, maybe Merfolk. Actually, that deck is ten. Ha, the deck has historically destroyed other blue decks, regardless of what's going on. That is where uh, you may want to consider move on to broader horizon. You know, uh, was I? There's some Eldrazi. Not a shock. Um, in these tournaments, random grinders tend to play them, and they tend to pilot or chop the strategy. Uh, because they are potent decks that don't require you to spend 30 plus hours of your life learning how to break, which makes sense. You want to maximize your value. After that, we're kind of just looking at the normal like trickle of legacy decks. Names you recognize on decks that they always played, um, as well as... No, that's just about it. Names you recognize on decks they always play. Cartesian was on Blue Red Delver. I'm sure that was with some weird case of his Cartesian does a stock deck list. You're not seeing anything else interesting unless Ruby Storm did well, which is um, interesting. I think that deck's playing Veil of Summer, which gives it a lot of counterplay against blue decks. I know in my personal experience, when I played against Ruby Storm, I basically wouldn't lose ever, uh, which is a bit hyperbolic, but I found that it was a pretty easy deck to once you understood what was going on. And unlike Storm, there are fewer there are fewer like tricks the pilot can employ to level you their play patterns and bait out counter spells among things there are just very few cards that actually matter and you know it's interesting to see how ruby's managed to 6-3 this event definitely in part is available or i assume so. like i said no deckless is bugging um that's really it regarding the quarterly i oh i guess i should talk about my experience I didn't play Magic leading up to the event because I haven't enjoyed Magic. Um, I find playing the game fun. Not playing. I find thinking about the game, discussing it enjoyable. Uh, the theory behind Magic is something that deeply interests me, but actively playing the game isn't something that I even want. So leading up to this tournament, I couldn't bring myself to play because the thought of it made me want to vomit. And... Um, I ended up OT dropping, which, you know, maybe that's a matter of not testing. I ended up theory crafting my... Uh, and I played against Grixis Delver round one. Game one, I destroyed them. Game two, um, just kind of didn't get there. And then game three, I multiplied. Uh, around two, I played against something that I can't quite... Re Jesus, what did I play against? Elves. I played against elves. Game one... Basically, this, or they may have beat me game one, I think I won game two, and then game three, I drew two Terminus, but I didn't draw a sixth line. So, what I found was the Four Cavalry Miracles deck, in like, it felt powerful. It felt like it had the potential to do powerful things, but 
I think I made some improper, one of which was not playing accumulated knowledge. I think the card would have been very backbreaking in my matches. Uh, one of the things I found is that everybody kind of has a drawing just felt hard to beat, and AK undoes your mulligan point of the game. You get to recoup those cards and get a, on parity and then eventually ahead of your opponent. What I ended up finding was, you know, like my mold of five against Grixis Delver. We got to a point in the game where they were at one card and I was at zero. I was on a mold of five against seven. So we were like very close to, you know, or I was very close to being able to stabilize the game and win. But that one card ended up mattering. And something like an AK or whatever, or like two AKs, uh, just just something, some sort of draw engine, something, some sort of two for played would have pulled me ahead. And before the event, I was discussing with people sideboarding. And we were talking about a sideboarding plan that involved boarding in a stack of Veil of Summers and a stack of Red Bloods. And what I ended up finding was, I, I, found my, I, I ended up leaving in two copies of Horse Will, even though I wasn't happy with them per se. Mostly because against Delver, they keep a lot of free interaction against you, and a lot of people cut free interaction against Delver. So they get to implement a tempo game plan where you just go trade like zero mana effects for your one to three mana, and you just end up behind on the table, and eventually they get to close out the game because they're trading up on mana advantage. And I didn't want to play into this ultimately, but what that entailed was like keeping the forces. But I had some number of pyroblasts, I had some number of veil of summer, two and two veil of summer, maybe two to three pyroblasts. What ended up happening was that post board my man was largely non functional without astrolabe because I was playing a deck that had a five ish basic island but had four colors worth of spells I wanted to cast, and my mana just didn't work. I mentioned before how I I died as elves with Terminus in well, two Terminus, and I didn't have my sixth land drop, and I didn't have a second, and obnoxious scenario. Um, against Delver, I had a summoner's just, like, didn't have as good of draw stuffs as it to my opponent's seven, whereas, like, there are points, I, I cast a Force of Wing 3, whereas, like, it would have been a Veil of Summer and Redrop to Fairy. And I think those cards could have potentially won me the game, but that's also results-based, right? Like, I had, I think I had Astrolabe, I think I had access to my mana. I just had an awkward setup of cards. Also, we had a situation where my opponent is attacking me with Delver. I know they have Lightning and Flipping, them, and I cast... Uh, Coatl. I was playing two copies. They bolt my Coatl. Cool. I go to three, and then they follow up with Young Pyromancer Thoughtseize, which ultimately ended up taking a Jace, and a Jace would have found Brainstorm Terminus, which is unfortunate, and I ended up drawing Brainstorm for turn, and I had to sit there and tank over the idea of whether or not I'm supposed to Brainstorm main phase to find another Brainstorm plus the Ponder, or if I'm supposed to upkeep YOLO, Brainstorm, hope to hit, or well, the main phase brainstorm had also and i ended up main phase brainstorming which after the fact they ended up talking to um base god jarvis and he informed me that uh i'm bad at math and uh yeah i should have just upkeep brainstorm uh i tend to try to re avoid results based thinking when i brainstormed on my brainstorm was uh terminus source of plowshares mentuary which is why i asked people about it do and upkeep brainstorm was kind of the prey hope get that and i don't know i guess i guess it's technically correct math wise presumably math wise i don't think anyone actually did a level of assumptions just a better understanding of probabilities than i have but um 
I can't help but think about like how I sideboarded and various other things. What I could have played better. Like I said, I mentioned that I didn't have the three drop to fairy, the third veil of summer, my forcibles I drew, which I pitched one force to the other. But I was in a situation where I pitched force to get a spell through where I could have veil of summer. The draw from the veil of summer could have completely blown the game open. So it's awkward, right? Like I am in a position where I'm inclined to believe solely based on results-based logic that having this sideboard plan of four-color good one-mana cards is the way to go in Stelver, but given a larger sample size, you know, the some number of force will be better. And I know when I'm playing against the Delver side, of th- um, do I... so like when I'm playing Delver, I find that my opponents tend to have a pretty even split of like free counter magic and blast and blast veil and the general play pattern in silver is just to kind of outweigh the, or play the super long game where we'll try and stifle early aggression and then take them into the super late and eventually just kind of take over the game because the bulk of their deck consists of soft counter magic while yours likely consists of actual interactive effects you know Delver decks want to put their opponent into a box, force them to play the game how they want, whereas you on some sort of control deck is kind of adapting turn by turn, but for the most part your game plan is just as opposed to. Um, I think that free counter magic against Delver in some regards is necessary. It's almost dependent on the texture of the game. Like There's some games where free counter magic destroys the Delver player because they are playing more aggressive and they're playing into it. Other games are like Flusterstorm, Pyro Blast, Veil of Summer, etc. are much more leverageable effects. You probably need to just read your opponent to figure out how you're going to do that. Um, my opponent, they didn't necessarily burn resources, but I found that I was pretty a- 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 I was able to grind them down on cards pretty uh, The games where I got to, where I had reasonable draws and got to like kind of play, I found that, you know, my opponent, I was able to set up trades that I expected, on, you know, on my turns. It's like, you know, even if they win this trade, they kind of did what I want. Uh, these were games one and three, game three. I need to go back and probably can always play better. Otherwise, <clears throat> no. It's it's just interesting to think about just how you approach these matchups. Uh, I'm I'm on a rough Tuesday. Anyway, uh, look at my show notes. It should have played AK. Talked about how AK slaps. Um, I mentioned here that from the ashes probably slaps. The reason I mention that is uh, there's like these five color greed piles that play a lot of nonsense. There's a bunch of random Delver, etc., which you don't necessarily want from to board in from the ashes against, but. Uh, my boy Rugved ended up fucking it out with a main deck copy of the card. So it's like not terrible, but I don't I don't know if I would main deck it. It's weird. From the Ashes compared to Back to Basics is like a weird window. Um, for example, Eldrazi, Back to Basics being three mana and being your primary color blue is relevant. Because you can force will their turn two Thought Knots here, slam Back to Basics, and then buy yourself. With something like From the Ashes being four mana and it's red, which is splash color... You run into some mana issues. You either have to f- actively fetch red, or like sandbag effect to fetch red to play around like wasteland or something, or you have to have astrolabe. So I'm inclined to believe that from the ashes is likely better as a sideboard option, uh, just because of timing restriction, all of that. But maybe maybe main deck is fine in some meta games. Like if you know that your your local store is going to be a lot, I think <clears throat> slower in terms of like deck not deck. <sighs> The decks people are going to select are going to play slower, grindier games. 
card like From the Ashes is going to pay off more. But if you're worried more about Eldrazi faster, more aggressive, like back to base, it's a bit cheaper. But I think right now these control decks heavily struggle with... Like the mirror is kind of a dumpster fire, at least I assume of backseat pilot slash um, observe people playing it. And what I found is Veil of Summer really eliminates a lot of the counterplay, so having effects that aren't blue or black in these mirrors that <clears throat> do relevant things. Like if you're playing against five color controlling cast from the ashes, RAP to your opponent's man. And if you're playing against like a loam four or five color loam now playing for Oko and like Dovin or whatever in the sideboard. <clears throat> you're gonna want a card like from the ashes to really close the if you are playing something like lands, you want a card like from the ashes because it cuts off Field of the Dead as a relevant effect, which these land shells are leaning on now as a way to just body the control which Miracles has the unique angle of being able to leave in Terminus, mess away some zombies and go from there, but I think that having some other re like one of the biggest misnomers about miracles is that it's a control deck, and I've generally looked at it as a prison deck. Everything I'm doing is mostly so that my opponent does to play a reasonable game of Magic, and back to basics from the Ashes counterbalance, etc. Do that to Fairy, Time Raveler, Oko are also lock pieces in slightly more well to Fairy's. Uh, overt way where Oko is slightly more abstract. Your cards get three elks. You kind of get the the hard way. And that's what Miracles wants to not let its opponent really to play a long drawn out misery for them is some. <clears throat> anyway, I think that's mostly enough on each. The format is still in flux. Let people figure. Which leads me to the next thing I want to rant about. Uh, people are calling for bans. I mentioned on the dead format that I figured that Veil of Summer and Astral B cards on at least a one. Like, hey, if y'all get too brazy, uh, we're getting you out of here. Which I think is remote, you know, mostly acceptable. Um, this early in the format, having a watch list, potentially a stupid idea up here. I mean, I don't like these cards. Potentially just manipulating the mass to agree with you. So, you shouldn't listen to it. But, <clears throat> I think Veil of Summer, like I, so, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering why I didn't say, oh, uh, I think Oko is, I think that... It being answered by Red Blast and Abrupt Decay makes it a lot more manageable. My issue with the card is that Veil of Summer is a hard counter for Abrupt Decay, and it counters the countered spell mode Pyroblast. So when you cut off these angles of interaction with a card like Oko to take over a game, which is pretty egregious, but if these angles of interaction are opened up, the card becomes way more re uh, I think that I would like to see a potential spot where we get to see what happens. If we can interact with this card on the stack as necessary, on the table as necessary with black spells. But I think that Astrolabe makes mana arbitrary, similar to Deathrite Shaman. You just pick the best cards in whatever coloring you want, and then Veil of Summer protects your permanent ba based threats way too well. So I, I'd like to see those cards go in theory, but for now, I want to see how uh, we saw Death and Taxes win the quarterly. That deck doesn't care about Veil of Summer, so it's a Punisher effect for people playing like two Veils in their main deck. Uh, that deck doesn't care as much about... Well, so it cares about Astrolabe if it doesn't have Revoke, because Rich and Port Wasteland, those cards do nothing. Uh, or, well, their value is significantly decreased. They can't call color screw. So you put yourself in a position where uh, some sort of, like way to cut off astrolabe and revoker no rod decay technically I, you're probably not decaying you'll like ancient a 
uh, in Astrolay, but decaying feels way worse, so most players are going to be pretty averse to doing that as opposed to firing it off, unless there's a very clear um, advantage. I found myself in situations where I had Island, 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 Mystic Sanctuary, and I was just like, oh god, please don't play anything that interacts with my Astrolay, because then I can't cast my hand, um, which is definitely a bug. I'm, I'm not happy with the most deck, but where was I? Uh, something about death and taxes cutting off people's mana. Astro or revoker on astro crippling people. What I'm saying is that there's work. You should probably give the format a little bit of time to settle and figure out and see what it wants. But I'm not sure where it'll end up. And if the solution is bans, that's fine. But I think that when players call for bans so quickly, you're ultimately the format three year. And you're unable to accept that magic by nature of that subsequent format. You know, a lot of players got into Legacy because it was a format that heavily rewarded a bunch of small percentage plays that added up. And that was great. But now there are better cards. So you have way more Haymaker. And I think you just need to complain about them. Just prepare for them. Uh, instead of taking a break from magic, that's basically it. Just burned out, pretty much. Uh, still going to do the podcast. Still going to keep up with and stuff. But I don't... Or not necessarily fun. I don't find it the thought of play to not some unknown period of come back to maybe I just won't uh, find out. Other than that, uh, I had some other stuff to ramble about, but no, it was magical, stupid stuff. Uh, so shout out to people, Rich A, Color Potic, ah, Editor, uh, Ellie of the Veil, um, my co-host who is Language for Deaf Kids, uh, Steve Hendrickson, uh, Robert for the Buffalo Chicken to open some sort of semi-local tournament that he does that's legacy that has payout that subsidizes from his own pocket out here in these streets. Like, So, you know, gang gang or something, my guy. Other than that, yeah. Sorry if this episode sucks. Wasn't really planned this way. Things happen. You gotta... Content's terrible. Hopefully I don't hear you guys know my voice. And, um, yeah. I feel like there's something we normally do here. Oh, uh, shout out the Patreon uh, slash podcast Twitter page, etc. It's at ThirstForCast. And uh, you can find me at twitter.com backslash Lawrence Harmon. You can co-host, almost said co-worker, slash co-work right now. I've been up for a.m. You can find him at Raceline, I-M-R-A-T-L-I-N-M. Spelled that right. Our editor is The Veil, E-L-I of the veil liliana of the veil i'm sure you all pick up what i'm putting down there uh if you have questions feel free to chat on twitter if you have concerns on twitter if you have hate mail uh you can feel free to on twitter but if you come at me too break mail to just straight up twitter but uh yeah if, you know or you can email me at thirstforcast at gmail.com i think I, yeah